Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, the Creative Conversations podcast, as I'm sure many of you know, hosted by me, Brian O'Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining me. I wonder if this is your first episode. If it is, welcome, welcome along. Um, I hope you're doing well, and um, if you've if you've heard many of these episodes, then maybe you'd like to tell your pals. Um, I know that a lot of you do, and I appreciate it, so do get on that social media. Let's just do that right now before we even start. Instagram and Twitter, it's PitCCPod. Give us a wee follow. And Facebook, Putting It Together, of course. Now, while we're on Facebook and so on, if you go on to Putting It Together on Facebook, you'll find the event page for the 100th episode, which we're recording a week from today. That's Wednesday, the 11th of September, 2019. It's going to be at the Oran Moor. And I can now reveal that my special guest joining me from 7pm is going to be Janie Godley the famous and wonderful comedian who's also become quite an activist uh, and a spoken, uh, an outspoken uh, commentator on, on politics and social causes. Um, I'm delighted to have her as a guest. Um, it's been something I've been after for a long time and it'll be amazing to have her as a guest with a live audience, which could include you. So if you haven't already got your tickets, do click the link on puttingittogethercast.com or go to oran-more.co.uk. That's o-r-a-n-m-o-r.co.uk and look under the events calendar. You'll find it Wednesday the 11th of September from 7pm. Tickets are only six quid and I'd love to see as many of you there as possible. Uh, Not least for us to get together and catch up and maybe I get to meet some people I've not met so far. That would be great. Um, And it's also a chance for me to raise a wee bit of funds to keep the podcast going for the next wee while. So I would appreciate any input for that as well. So if you can't make it along, maybe you'd consider clicking the yellow donate button on the website. So go to puttingittogethercast.com and on the front page you'll see the most recent episode and there's always a yellow donate button attached to it. It takes you to PayPal and it makes it very simple for you to make a donation, big, small or somewhere in the middle and it can be a one-off or a regular monthly payment up to you. Anything is appreciated. Thank you so much. If you think that this is a good podcast, it's a worthwhile project, then do consider supporting it if and only if you can afford to. So there you go. That's the housekeeping out the way. So let's all just take a breather, relax here. I'm recording this a wee bit earlier than usual. Um, Only a few hours, but I tend to do it when I get in on a Tuesday night from whatever I'm doing. And I find that that, the yawning is worse, obviously, the later at night I do it. So I thought I'm going to do it during the day and it's done then and the night will be a wee bit more relaxed. So that's uh, a bit of trivia you didn't need to know. But thank you for listening to it all the same. I hope you're doing something nice while you're listening to this. I know some people use it for the commute. Um, but for me, like podcasts are sometimes when I'm lying in bed or, excuse me, sometimes, you know, when I'm doing dishes or doing things around the house, it's quite nice to have something going on in the ears other than music. Anyway, whatever you're doing, I hope you're doing well and uh, recovering from the festivals if you were indeed involved and everything's you know, back to full pelt now, um, at the Oranmore, of course, which I always let you know about. Uh, this week, uh, the play is From Paisley to Paolo, and it's by Martin McCarty, directed by Stuart Davids, and it features Joshua Haynes, Michael McCarty, and Saul Davidson. It's a play that's returning after, oh, when was it? I think it was on 2006 or seven. Um, yeah, so it's coming back after quite a long break. And it's a very funny show. I saw it the first time round, and I'm looking forward to seeing it later this week. So do get down to the Oran Moor, it's on every day at 1pm up till Saturday and you get of course a pie and a pint or a drink of your choice included in the price of the ticket. 
But the thing I really want you to go to the Oranmore for is next Wednesday at 7pm. You know all about it. It's the 100th episode. So, of course, if you're listening to the podcast next Wednesday, you won't get the 100th episode in your ears because we're a couple of weeks out from that. Um, But if you come along, you'll witness the live recording of the 100th episode and we'll be putting it out early October. I believe it's the 2nd of October that it goes out. So we're very close to 100 and then... Of course, the weird thing is we built up and built up to this 100 thing. And after that, I'm just going to keep putting out episodes the same as I always have. Um, I have no intention of stopping or slowing down. So we'll celebrate it and mark the milestone and then we'll just carry on. So what else have I got to tell you? I'm, I'm resting up um, after the tour of Chick Murray finished. I'm just getting a wee bit of time back, I suppose. I'm pretty tired. Um, and putting a lot of time into the podcast because... After the the 100 recording, I'm actually going away on holiday and gigging, so I have to get a few episodes lined up for you. So that means that um, the podcast won't take a break, although I sort of secretly will. Not a secret now, I've told you. Uh, so that's that's where we're at, and I'm very delighted to be welcoming Janie Godley to the, the live episode. But before we get to that, I'd like to welcome my special guest for today, Grant Anderson. It's the first time I've ever had a lighting designer on the show and it really has a fascinating chat. Um, he's, I mean, he's obviously a very affable character and it's nice to chat to him in general, but also to get into this business of what is the job of the lighting designer? Where does it come from? And also, I'm really interested in where does the the desire to do that come from? And Grant talks about that in some detail, so that's nice. Um, and I just love, as I, I think I say in the episode, I love getting into a tech rehearsal period and just being surrounded by people who have all these different and varied skill sets uh, that I just don't have. You know, lighting designer, sound designer, uh, and you've got, you know, scenic designers and costume people and, you know, people doing, I mean, all different disciplines. Um, I love that. I love that. And the, the, the feeling of everyone pulling together and all the different uh, skills that it takes to get this show on the road, as it were. So Grant's certainly one of those people and he tells us all about it. So I'm delighted that he gave up his time to come and chat to me. And I hope you enjoy listening to it. So I won't keep you any longer. It's time for our guest of the week. It's Grant Anderson. And he is, of course, with me. And we are, as usual, putting it together. <laughs> so we were... I was offering you sweets there, and yeah. you, uh, luckily you said no, which means I didn't eat any. Very healthy. Um, just for now, <laughs> just for this moment. Um, but you were saying that, you know, like, people keep bringing you sweets Constantly. When, you're, when you're in tech. Constantly. It's because, I mean, the lighting desk, the production desks never move. So it's like a hub of activity, isn't it? Usually people right. gather around and there's an issue with something, so everyone gathers around that area. And all I've found is that people bring bags and bags and bags of Haribo, oh. Percy pigs, which is lovely. But when you're sat there and everyone else goes off to be on stage or goes off to do something else, your hand just keeps going back and forward, back and forward. And I yeah. just felt like crap at the end of the day. I was like, why is this happening? Oh, it's because I'm eating three bags oh. of Percy pigs. It's too so, easy. Yeah, no, so now I've got a rule. No rubbish on the production desk. When did the rule start? About a year ago. Oh, okay. Year and a half, so it's been quite a while. You got a while, yeah. And um, even it happened yesterday. Somebody came down and put a big bag of um, a big tub of those M and S flapjack oh, things. Boy. I mean, they're gorgeous. Yeah. But you would just go through them. Yeah. Just me and whoever the sound designer was next to me, and I just said, "Do you mind if we put them?" And he said, "Oh, that's a great rule. I'm going to do that." 
So you're going to spread it across yeah. the across the industries. Just me and uh, coffee, water, and some fruit. That's all I need. Brilliant. Coffee. No, we need to talk about that. Oh no. This yeah. is this has actually become a thing. It I think has. Some people will be aware of it. You the, bring your own machine. Yes. Have you done that for a long time? About two years. Johnny McKnight got me onto it. Did he? Yeah, he was doing Panto about three or four years ago up in McRobert. And in the dressing room, he had a machine because mm-hmm. he's there for you know a couple months. And I thought, that's a really good idea. I'm spending three or four pounds mm. every break on mediocre coffee. Whereas if I'd have buy a machine... And it's, you know, I use the ones that are like recyclable pods and all that. So it's like, well done. Ends up 30p a pod or whatever. And you just go and you set it up maybe in the green room or ideally on the end of the production desk. And right, that's so it's just yeah. exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. Well, no, every, anyone can help themselves, but it just um, means also people then get more out of you, don't they? You end up working through your breaks and all that sort of stuff because you go, just get the coffee yeah, going. Just get, and carry coffee, on. get up, stretch your legs, have a coffee. And then, mm. yeah, it's, so now oh, tour around with me. Never thought about that. But then you've made the, the case for it. Or at I least you've, you've made the Yeah, phone. one got damaged, you see. So now I, um, <laughs> a friend of mine was like, show me there. Somebody had a toolkit. I said, oh, that's good. I could make one of those with my coffee machine. And they said, I'd love you to do that. So, that's so what, what we did. You, did you go and buy foam and then cut? Oh, no, they're, they're, like a, they're called Pelican cases. And yeah. so they're the things you use for, like, uh, I guess, mics or camera equipment. And you just, it's like you pull out the bits of foam. It's like um, tiny squares of foam. Ah, and you pull out the bits you don't need. To so make you pull out space. the shape. So I obviously just pulled out the shape of the coffee machine. Ah, and so you, you can do it with anything. Do it with anything. Oh, I didn't it know It comes that. full. And then you, it's called pluck and pull. I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. There you go. Have oh, that. Now you've got me thinking because I was thinking about getting a case. I thought I'd have to commission somebody no, no. to make a case for all this no, gear. It, you make it yourself. Ah. They're quite expensive, mm-hmm. um, but they're waterproof and they come in all different sizes. So. Oh, there you go. It's a little advert for you. <laughs> I hope they give us a wee backhand, a wee bung. <laughs> <laughs> but then the thing about the sweets is, what I don't think about, but you said, is that you're always in tech, so you're... Constantly. That's our that's our special yeah. week where we're like, ah, oh, forget the diet, yeah. you know. It was, yeah, I remember Jemima said to me, she was like, oh, it's tech week, baby. And I was like, Jemima, that's <laughs> all the time, it's not cheat week. That's my life. That is it, I know, constantly. <laughs> so you're... I, I have to get to grips with exactly what it is mm-hmm. you're doing, because we don't... I say we, and I mean actors. Mm-hmm. Some of it's mysterious to us. Okay. A lot of it's mysterious to us. You're a lighting designer. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you make, you decide what happens with the lights. Yeah. But to me, I can't... Um, I need you to tell me a wee bit about how it works from, from the outset. Yeah, do of course. You, do you have to come up with... As I guess you're just turning on the lights and turning them off again. And right. Like, yeah. and like, so it needs to have light. And I know yeah. it has different colours and all the rest. Yeah, so yeah, how yeah. does it work, though? I mean, I've no idea. I think, I mean, without getting too kind of inside baseball, but I always talk about it like... It's just another storytelling device. Right. So when I work, especially a lot with like new directors and or people that go, oh no, I don't really like talking about lights and all that. I don't really like talking about lights. I don't want to talk to uh, in a room about a par can or a profile or something like that or what Lee color is the best. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about uh, intent or it's a bright summer's day and we're going to feel like this. How do we want the audience to feel? Where do we want them to look? Um, Yeah, time of day. So it all starts in the same place, I think. It is that everyone else starts like you know with a script or with a story mm. and with a conversation around that so the best creative teams that i'm part of is we sit down together and we don't all talk about our own disciplines we will say 
right, we are doing X production and we want to set it in this kind of time period. We're thinking about doing it naturalistic or non-naturalistic. This mm -hmm. is kind of the physical world of the piece. Um, and then and then take it from there, really, like everyone else. Right. So it starts from the story. Yes. Yeah. Always. And the technical stuff is just um, the toolkit, I suppose. Yeah. And that's the stuff you... That's the stuff that, you know, I've trained in and I need to know. Mm -hmm. But no one else needs to know that, do they? Like, well, um, I suppose when I've spoken to sound designers, I don't... It's just like, well, yeah. that that needs to be louder. Yeah, exactly. Or that's too bassy or something. You don't need to get into the... Exactly. And that's all I want to, somebody to do to me. That needs to be brighter or that needs to uh, feel more magical, that moment. And, right. Um, the, and I think Mirrorball, the, by the Mirrorball. way. If you're ever stuck. Well, and I don't know if you Have you heard of that? Yeah. It's a thing, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> People often call it a glitter ball. That frustrates me. Why? What's it's, a glitter ball? It's just not a mirror ball, is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a mirror ball because it's made of mirror. Made of little bits of mirror, yeah. Exactly. Okay, all right. Um, so, no, yeah, that's the kind of conversations I like to have with people. Right, okay. And then did you, at some point in your youth, see wonderful light and think, I have to be part of that? Um. So I, went, I got taken to see a lot of theatre, mm -hmm. thanks to mum. Um, and I just loved like the drama of it all. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't ever sit there and go, oh, I want to be on that stage or I, I want to be a lighting designer, I want to be X. Mm -hmm. I just, um, yeah, loved the drama of it all. And I sort of got into drama at school a little bit. Right. Um, and the only way to do that was to, to be on stage. And I just remember going, this is like rubbish. Like <laughs> I love being part of it all, but this is, I am not... You know, me being Mr. Bumble, age seven, walking up and whatever. It's like... Were you Mr. Bumble? I was Mr. Bumble. I was a terrible Mr. Bumble. No, it's seven. I don't know. Boy. Yeah. Wow. Um, I remember that they made everyone else... Everyone else did a Cockney accent, but I was just Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> There's always yeah. that one kid. I was like, well. oh, I just... I think you should try it in your own accent. Should I though? Or you just say that because I'm dreadful. <laughs> maybe I must have been, and I was in primary school, so maybe 10, I don't know. Wow. Um, and then we did, in secondary school, I was still part of the drama club and all that sort of stuff. And I was sat on stage and the director said, I need to create this river at this point. And we don't, I don't know quite how we're going to do that. But essentially through the potential of the stage, we need to, there's going to be a river and then there's not going to be a river, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, you could do that with light. She, what do you mean? And I said, like, well, you've got like a false floor, so we can maybe like draw, draw little holes in it and put like light through it and stuff like that. And she said, yeah. Do you want to be here? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you don't seem to enjoy what everyone else gets out of acting. And this mm -hmm. was in front of the whole cast. Wow. I, was sat there and she, I said, go and chat to this guy, Ross McTaggart. She said, go and chat to Mr. McTaggart. So I said, went and chat to him. And essentially his job, it sounds very grand, but he was expressive arts technician. Right. Which basically meant for art, he put on galleries, for music, he put on concerts, and for drama, he put on the shows. And... Uh, we just had a conversation and then I started to kind of like pal about with him, I guess, which is a bit strange. But mm -hmm. um, he then got me into it, essentially. He was like, oh, this is what lights do and this that. And then I wasn't just, you know, because I wasn't like a techie kid. Because it was funny, it was that there was also a group of kids that wanted to kind of play with the tech of lights. And I did a bit of that, but it mm -hmm. was like, no, no, I want to be making the shows. Um, so I just did that and we entered that thing I don't know if they still do it was it the National Theatre Connections Festival oh yeah I think that's yeah, still a thing yeah. still a thing and um, the first year we just did it at you know your own venue and then we went to Lyceum mm -hmm. and I was like oh this is cool because I've seen shows here 
right. and were like taking our show to the Lyceum. The real deal. Yeah, and um, the next year we did a um, one, and it won the chance, or it won went to it was the Cottesloe at the time. Oh wow! Um, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, and also because I think because I was involved, we'd put this kind of canopy of lights in the show. And it was, I mean, looking back, it, was, it wasn't the most technical thing in the world, but I was the lighting designer at mm-hmm. aged 16 and went down there and the team were just amazing. Like they were just so lovely. And I think also because I wasn't one of those kids that was like cocky, I was just quite quiet, but I was right. like, we'd make comments about, no, I want it to feel like this. So it should, this is what we're doing. This And they were like, all oh, right, actually you care and you're not going to get in the way. You're not going to annoy us. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just kind of like were lovely to me and we went and saw a production of St. Joan that night at uh, at the National and I was like, this is phenomenal. Mm. It's like Polly Constable. I was like, who is this person? She's a lighting designer. She's phenomenal. That's right. what I want to do. Wow. So you knew then. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. But that's it's so interesting that you say that you, you loved theatre already um, and it's not about being a techie. Because I think that may be a, a common misconception. Yeah, and it's funny because it, sometimes I think it's, I don't think it's intentionally used as like a, a derogatory term. And I just certainly don't feel that. So if somebody says to me, um, calls me a techie or whatever, it's it's not that I go, oh, I'm better than that. It's that like, I'm not a techie. I mm-hmm. don't know how to rewire that thing. I don't know what a technical person does. That is why mm-hmm. we've made that differentiation now. Yeah, sure. And and called lighting and sound designers, etc., projection designers, creatives, because there's a different art to that. It's a different uh, set of sk- a skill set required. Yeah. Um, and then everyone that is technical is the infrastructure behind that and helps th- that team. Yeah, yeah, totally. Of course, when I was at drama school, we, we referred to you as techies. Yeah, of course. And as far as I knew, you could do all that stuff. Yeah. And just, uh, and a stage manager was a techie and, Techies were all stage managers. Anyone that wore black. Yeah, all those people. And it wasn't, again, not derogatory, no. but it was it was uh, misinformation. Yeah. You know? But to discover that actually a stage management is a skill all its own. Yeah. That's not really particularly technical, I don't think. No, not really. It's no. just its own yeah. skill. Exactly. So I suppose you have to communicate with with different, lots of different members of the team. Yeah. What's the, What are the challenges there? Because I suppose, you know obviously director but then yeah. other people must i think i think for me uh, communicating is like absolutely key and what's interesting about it is that i work across lots of different mediums so there's communicating in the theater between yeah like you say the director or um technicians or whomever um but because i work across um music and corporate i think you just have to take everyone as an individual actually yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is actually first and foremost what how you should treat everyone so you just kind of start off with what do you need from the conversation what are you trying to do are you trying to get a light moved which is usually nine times out of ten what i'm doing because i've made a mistake or you know <laughs> mainly uh, could, that. We, could we do that could we could we maybe try and you're all i feel like i feel like as a lighting designer you're constantly asking for favors because you do your work um in front of everyone and so last minute that you don't there's no hiding your mistakes mm. so somebody walks on stage and for an example an actor goes well there's a light there I'm, I make my entrance there okay I haven't clocked that and I've put a light there because I need it there how am I going to so I then have to have a conversation with maybe a stage manager or something about 
could it be struck and reset or um you know with the actor about oh is that are you sure that's where your entrance is Uh, Mm -hmm. let's bring the director in in the conversation Uh, okay and it's that type of negotiation i think because so many times I've tried to make an entrance and there's a massive load of side light. Yeah, sorry. And you're like, see that side light, by the way. And everyone's yeah. always back there going, the side light. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like all the rage or whatever. Yeah, constantly. Oh, techs are our time for being frayed at the edges. and Yeah. Whereas, again, this is your almost constant. It's funny because I've heard you a couple of times in the podcast talk about techs and being in tech and stuff like that. And I really, and I'm not saying you've done this, but I really hope that actors don't feel like it's a negative time that it all falls apart. No, because not I, well, at all. and I think, but I think there are certain instances where that does happen. It has happened, yeah. But you, for me, it's like hopefully where it all comes together. Yeah. And so, I think I work in in quite a, a specific way with that. Of, um, you know, as I'm sure lots of people do. But it's a time for me to talk to the sound designer. And we both kind of want to sync up. And my favorite type of theatre is, you know, the cast are doing the move then the set slides in and the light shift and the projection does a thing and the musical mm. button happens and we all land oh, on yeah. the same moment yeah and the audience go boom that happened that's amazing yeah um and when you get it right it's that time uh, it's been spine tingling moment it's amazing and that's what tech's for yeah it's trying to get, you know orchestrate those yeah amazing and, and we, then we all see when it doesn't go right uh. when you've done it for the fifth time and you're like Oh my gosh, it's half past nine. We need to be out of the building at quarter to ten. Can we just get this moment? One more. Can we and reset, of course, you never, of course you never do. And then you come back into the, mo- the next morning and you nail it first time because everyone is on it. You've had a bit of a sleep. Yeah, had a bit of a sleep. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, and I don't think, I, I don't think of it as a time when things fall apart. But although one of the sort of, I don't know if it's a secret, but I, I use tech as a time to figure out what I'm doing. Oh like, yeah. It's, to me, it's like extra rehearsal that you forget is happening. Do you know what I mean? And on your own. Like yeah, a, yeah, in my own track. So I'll go like, yeah, sure, we ran the show in the rehearsal room loads before we got here. But then that tech starts and I go, right, now I have to start from the beginning again yeah. and figure out how I'm going to really do Consolidate this. Consolidate it all together. Yeah. That's good. And, and if we get to the beginning of tech and there's still bits that are muddy for me, I'm going, it's okay. During yeah. this week, that'll all solidify. Sort of, yeah. And also think, you know, because no matter how good a rehearsal room environment is, it, it's that, and it should be about a different thing, but the physical world isn't there. Yeah. So... Um, even in like Frankenstein that I'm doing uh, this week, it's on two massively different levels. So you put in a little bit of steel deck, but you can see people in the room when I'm watching a run through just jump from one to the other. Yeah, that you will not be able to do that. That is going to be a ladder or a tree or a set of treads, or it's going to take you, and which is fine. But that's what, yeah, hopefully that week in tech is about. It's about how are we going to fill that time? How are we going to work with the energy of the story so that. Um, we do physical transitions mm-hmm. and do you spend much time in the rehearsal room I try to right yeah with everything it's about yeah your time you yeah usually a, a producer in terms of like money and you go i would love to yeah. you know i'd love to be paid weekly and spend four weeks on a project mm-hmm. or maybe not four weeks but um <laughs> you know not every day but it's just not the way it works you you kind of you get you know a fee per project mm-hmm. and um you overlap projects right no it's not even just about the money i guess it's just the, that's how the industry is built isn't it and yeah. and i jump from one to the next thing um, but the more time i can be in a rehearsal room the better yeah yeah so then i suppose there must be 
people who do your type of work who aren't as enthused about the actual art form itself as you are. Yeah, for sure. Are you an exception, do you think? That's a good question. I think I think there's a mixed bag. I don't think I'm an exception by any stretch. I think there's a lot of uh, brilliant lighting designers out there, obviously. And I think, but I think that is the good ones, is that they care about the story and they care yeah. about everything. Um and yeah, there are a lot, but there are lots of rubbish people that do lots of everything. Lots of disciplines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's yeah. I think that's the difference. You have to love it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about play pine paint um, before we started, and I don't sit there. I don't go to those shows for the lighting, do you? And this is no disrespect. I'm not offending anyone. Sure. But sure. we all know that the production values. That's not what that that environment's about. It doesn't mean I enjoy the show any less. Mm. I go because I want to see new work. Yeah. Uh, I went yesterday because my friend was in it and a friend wrote it and you go it, it's not about for me uh, sometimes I'd go and see you know a West End musical and I walk away and go that looked phenomenal mm. and obviously I appreciate it but I try and sit there and be an audience member like anyone else and be told the mm. story but the thing about uh, on a small scale like Play Pine of Paint I think is that if the sound and the light don't get in the way yeah, absolutely. Then it's a win. Yeah. You know, because it's really just has to be invisible. Yeah. Invisible is the wrong word when you talk about yeah. light, but yeah. Well, it's, there's lots of, also lots of small touring shows. And I think that's, I think that's what's really interesting. But even play pie a pint aside in terms of small touring theatre, one thing that um, I'm quite unique at is going, what does this show need? What are the bare bones that we can get away with? Because I don't want to send a piece of my work out on a rural tour with, hundred lights and no yep. one and have everyone have a rubbish time uh, the cast have to bring up bringing stuff out the van it, it just it, it's nonsense um we did something like wendy house that toured in a box all the lights were built into the set there was a about two lights front of house that crept in um and it's coming up with clever ideas like that which sure. i think like you see lighting not getting in the way but still enhance it i mean uh, again, it was a Johnny McKnight show, and he we had the box rotated. It was flashing lights. It was a whole disco scene, but at the end of the day, ninety percent of it was just a, a bedroom, mm-hmm. and and hopefully a nicely lit bedroom, but with bedroom lights because that's what it required. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's about yeah, what what do we need to be doing? And I do a lot of musicals. I do a lot of highly stylized work, and so there are lots of bells and whistles with that because. Mm-hmm. Legally Blonde needs flashing lights. It's a, it's a big kind of mm-hmm. pop rocky show. But, you know, maybe The Cherry Orchard doesn't. <laughs> the Cherry Orchard. Have you done one of them recently? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, I, haven't, I, haven't done, I haven't done a Cherry Orchard for a while. Um, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's funny because you can, sometimes you, I think people, you get into a little groove of, of doing a whole bunch of shows or a type of style mm. and then people... I, my f- yeah, phone rarely goes unless it's something stylized now. Right. Um, and I do actually, but I did a Miss Julie this year, and it was it was yeah, not basic. It was um, kind of small, and um, you know, uh, we did a lot of nice looks and a lot of hopefully lovely transitions. And uh, MJ did did the sound design on it, and it was gorgeous. And we had lots of lovely moments. But yeah, d- does it need hundreds of moving lights? No, no, no. Of yeah. it doesn't. It's funny how you get in those little grooves. I mean, like, I seem to be in quite often in the 1940s. Do you? Even the last few years. I mean, the side parting has never barely left my head. Oh, very good. Yeah, like slicked. Got it in today for me. Uh, no, I've 
because I finally finished the run last night, so I'm oh, like, yeah. mess it up again. Because it's been little kinks, you know, for weeks yeah, yeah, and weeks. Yeah. I'll get it cut. But it's, you do that, don't you? You get mm. into wee, just by chance. Yeah. What about Panto? What's your what's your Panto gig this year? Uh, the Tron. Ah, Back yes. the Tron. You've done a lot actually. of work at the Tron, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it there, actually. It's a, I, just, I think it's a lovely space to work. Um, it's a nice time of year to be there as well. All my friends are there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the in-house team are really helpful and really lovely. So uh, it's nice to be back there. Um, and then actually I've done a few years of doing, I mean, so many Christmas shows. Um, but this year I've kind of pulled back a little bit on them and um, just doing a couple of other things. I'm doing some music work with um, Queen Polworth. Um, oh nice just in a few dates um, and the tour manager phoned me because he saw a kind of one off thing that I'd done for her and he really liked it I think because it was more theatrical yeah and that's what I think I'm finding more and more that I, I'm quite interested in is that I love light um, but how can maybe traditionally more pop and rocky things be more theatrical yeah like, so music and how can I bring some of that into theatre and Sure. make those worlds kind of collide because I think if you know the rules for them all then you can kind of break them and that's mm. what I like mm-hmm. to do what are the rules for music then if you could be well I think the rules for music and to, traditionally have been um, it, not designed actually on a smaller level because they, they couldn't have it afford it so somebody who is an in-house person who's never heard the music before is sitting there flashing red and blue red blue or whatever right. the thing is and having done some of that recently um for the international festival uh, their contemporary music program i was like oh this is really interesting because i am struggling here because i don't know this artist yes so if i know a few days before that i'm going to be doing uh who did i do anna calvi mm-hmm. um for two three days i just listened non-stop Apple Music. Now I don't know a set list. I don't know what she's going to come and do, but at least I know the world. Absolutely. And, I know, yeah. and again, back to kind of the, the stimulus of story is like at least I know now that work. And when she does a song, I'm not just completely caught alone and um, caught off guard. Sorry, because mm-hmm. um, there's always that horrible thing, isn't it? Well, I find it horrible. It's him satellite and desk busking away, and there's music artist, you know. And I think she's going to go all out for the final chorus, and suddenly she drops out to a cappella. <laughs> so you and go so bang, bang and go, and, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done that with music mm. many times. Like I go, and we're going. Oh no, no okay, no, we're not. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did a thing at the live scene, like a development thing, and Ali McRae was MD in it, and he sent me a text a couple of days before. Good, can't wait, blah, blah, blah. How's your Zydeco? And I went, yeah, uh, all right. And then I went and looked up, what does that mean? What does that mean, yeah? It's a style of Cajun music, which okay. uses the accordion, and I had been brought on with, with my accordion. So then uh-huh. I, immediately I'm like, right, Zydeco playlists, yeah. and just listening cool. and listening, because going in cold on that is just... It's horrible, but, people, but you do get people do get caught out, and that's the thing. When I say about rules, that has been the music industry for a while, and actually, bigger artists taking on bigger production now uh, has made it more theatrical by the very nature. Yeah, so, especially the international festival. Yeah, exactly, because it's it's yeah. a it's a sort of a theatre audience, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's a very specific audience, I think. Well, it's not as broad, but yeah. it's, it's so different from the fringe, which interests me. Yeah, and I think what's, what's really funny is that people kind of almost mix the two up now. Yeah, at the festival. Yeah, because they go, especially the people in the fringe, because they're there for the fringe, and then they call it the festival, and they don't understand, because, well, why should they? You know, they're just coming to a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think, yeah, the International Festival, if everyone, there's been a couple of moments where an artist has gone, so great to be here at the Fringe. And oh, you just really? See, yeah, and you just see this, like, I don't know, the sponsorship team Ooh. going, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's an offshoot, my yeah. friend. Yeah. But a big offshoot. But, a, but well, bigger, but bigger still, now, yeah. you know. Way bigger. It's, yeah, it's absolutely, it's a huge kind of commercial enterprise. Yeah, I didn't understand that, actually. In fact, when, when we were at the Academy, mm-hmm. we had a lecturer who was like, and I'm doing this piece at the International Festival. And then she explained, she obviously felt it was important to yeah. explain to us. She said, I don't know if you're aware, but the International <laughs> Festival, is that anyway? And we're like, oh, so it's the Fringe. No, no, no. no. And that was us told, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have a class with her every Monday morning from nine till one. And it was like um, academic, like writing about theatre and about stuff. Four hours on a Monday Four. morning. That's intense. It was hard going. That is intense. Yeah. Sitting on those just Alexander Technique chairs. Oh, no. Awful. Really? I mean, who's, who comes up with that? No idea. So you are you went to the academy. I did. As a quote-unquote techie. A quote-unquote techie. I did the technical and production arts course. Mm. Um, and I was there. I joined when it was RSMD. And then my last year was just when it was changing name. And we, yes. could, we could actually pick what you wanted on your certificate. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I think we were the last complete year of RSMD yeah. when we graduated. Mm. So the, how does... How does someone train to be a lighting designer? And did you go there with that specific intention? Yeah, I did, which is, and I say it like that, because lots of people don't. And I think that's why they changed the course slightly. Um, so when I trained there, um, I think, you know, I'm really fortunate because of people like Ross in my, in my life, like who I mentioned earlier, and mm. there was another couple um I'd done stuff at the fr- fringe already, actually. Right. It was the fringe. Um and I was like, now by this point, 18, leaving school and people were like, there are places you can study lighting design. Mm-hmm. And I was going, great, that's what I want to be. So that's what I'm going to do. Didn't take a gap year, didn't do any of that, just went lighting design courses. And I went down south to look at Rose Bruford, um, looked at Rada, looked at Lippa. And up here it was uh, Queen Margaret and uh, RSMD at the time. And for multitude of reasons, I ended up at RSMD. Mm-hmm. Um, and the course base, it was quite American. You, I majored effectively in lighting design, right, in design okay. strand. And then I did a bit of minor in production management, which mm-hmm. I think was brilliant for me because it gave me this all-round understanding of the rest of the production team and um, I benefited from that hugely. However, it was clear that actually the, the applicant that they were getting didn't know what a lighting designer was or didn't necessarily know that uh, what a stage manager was or a scenic artist was so they went back to the more traditional way of training that which is you do this thing called a carousel where you arrive and you do a bit of everything so ah, you okay. be in costume one week lighting the next sound blah 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 yep. um, and so so yeah so I trained for that for three years um, just doing things like we would do score reading classes um, oh right or, really yeah we would do um, uh, model making classes cool. we would do kind of do things with light labs and then effectively building up to my third year and there was various things that happened throughout the, the kind of training course um, but essentially my third year uh, I made a pitch to light everything I could because um, the other there was one other lighting designer and he had dropped out and so I said I want to light everything I'm the lighting guy I am the lighting designer and oh. I want to light I was, so 
and the head of the course was like, you know, Roz is, is, is amazing. She said, it's going to be too much. She did. I said, well, just get me a mentor. Get me. I said, but why would you pay um, mm-hmm. lighting designers to come in and, or whatever? And when I want to do it and, and obviously I was completely green to it all. And of course I learned the, the, the couple of lighting designers that they did get in to do things because obviously I couldn't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned loads from them because I would go and associate with them or Brilliant. assist them. Um, but what it did mean was that in my final year, I got to light an opera, a bit of uh, contemporary performance practice, acting, uh, musical theatre, music. So I got literally a bit of everything. Wow. Yeah. I don't think anyone was designing light for our contemporary theatre practice so, shows. So that's where the next, I guess, little twist of mine went, was that I really enjoyed working with those uh, yeah. kind of artists and um, ended up doing lots of stuff at the Arches, ah, which, cool. which spanned across both that lighting design aspect that I'd studied first and foremost, but also production management. Oh, and right. I ended up kind of being there um, as a production manager for about three or four years, oh. doing things like the Behaviour Festival, yeah. NRLA, uh, Arches Live. Um, you did NRLA? Yeah, I did, I did a bit of everything for... Cool. Um, so I, I was main production manager for Behaviour and Arches Live, and then I would go in and assist for, for other bits when they were busy, when they, just when they were really right, busy. Right. Um, and then what would happen by that? Because artists would turn up and be like, hadn't maybe thought about lighting. Yeah. Is that then I would for, for those ones would kind of like sneak on in and have a have a conversation. Right. I didn't get paid for it. I just was like, well, show me what you're doing. And they would do what they were doing. This kind of maybe durational piece. And I was like, what if it was just a single spotlight from the back doing this thing? You get these single shadows, and then they're like, I oh, quite like that. Can I see what that would like be like? I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you ask someone to to rig it up. They'd rig it up, and then oh yeah I really like that or could it be more like this yeah and I'd do that and I mean, sometimes you have 15 or 20 artists turn up mm-hmm. and obviously you couldn't do it for them all but you would kind of I'd try and like run around and just do as much as I could really that's a great method of, mm. of, of getting into the industry though isn't it yeah so that was when you first graduated first so actually before I graduated I did my first Arches Live right kind of whilst I was still there because it was it would fall about Easter time I think we were off so your kind of method was get in about as much as possible at yeah. all times yeah, and right. then being at the Arches was amazing because um, during the day we would have these kind of various performances yeah, yeah. and then a gig might happen and so you would watch that turn around and I would watch like you know, the lighting designer that came in to do that gig and then it would turn around to a full building club, yeah. you know, and I'd be like, this is cool. Who's the doing Arches the was amazing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, it was a huge amount of my life uh, was spent there in my early 20s and um, just watching... The, that building was amazing watching everyone in there it was class mm. we spent a lot of time there as well because we had nrla which i've just said really quickly national review of live art because yeah. not everybody's going to know what that is for sure um does that still happen in glasgow no I no i think so no. we used to go to it and i mean the strangest times spent just like yeah saturated with mad- madness yeah great uh, absolute madness but that was it and there was you know when we we're talking earlier about communicating with people some of those people were the hardest to communicate with because they were so precious of what they'd made and they were so, I think, used to judgment of it, especially from, air quotes, techies. Sure. So I would go in and I'd be like, you want to do what? You want to tattoo yourself? All right, cool. How do we make that happen? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. You know, what what in what world, what, what's the message? What we're doing here? Let me, how do I help you? And um, Which is the mark of a, a good... Yeah, you know, yeah. support network yeah, exactly. instead of no, you'll never be able to do that. No, yeah, that's great. I used to like that at the academy, but I felt like we got 
we tended to get more of because I was on CTP. We got mm. more of the no, no, no. Yeah, than we did. did. Yeah. Let's see how we can, you know. Yeah, and again, talking about support network, and that's what I think often lacks or has. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. I mean, that's what se- separates out. Hopefully, um, the good and the bad of 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 that world of the yeah, stage definitely. world. I think the yeah. I think the the good rises to the to yeah, the top. Hopefully, the cream, as it were. Yeah. So I suppose you spend a lot of time in the dark. I do. How do you counteract that? You must have to have methods, do you not? Do you just uh, go mad? I go on a dark? lot of holidays. Do you? Yeah. Sunny holidays? Sunny holidays. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they're not like expensive, but it's a nip off to Ibiza for a weekend. Do really? you actually? Yeah, 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 yeah. For goodness sake. Or like France or somewhere like that. Um, do you go to the, not the, as the much mad this part sh- of Ibiza or the, or the old part of Ibiza? The mad part. <laughs> do you actually? <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. I think nothing worse. Yeah. No, it's a bit of escapism. I think. Yeah. I think um, I can often be, you know, Captain Sensible. I think that is a little bit of my escapism. Um, right. Doing that sort of yeah, mad world. Yeah. So during work time, you're like yeah, do the thing, do the thing, home, do the thing, yeah. espresso machine, yeah, all foam, that. pick and pick and pull. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, pluck and pull. Pluck and pull. Yes. That's close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, and I haven't actually done as many this year um just with the way things have fallen um and and i can feel it right you're ready to i can feel it um and luckily i'm doing a project coming up that takes me to somewhere or hopefully sunny um and i'll get a bit of that uh, vitamin d that's good i heard somewhere that if you live what is it now north of birmingham you can't statistically get enough vitamin d in a year yeah it's not possible yeah no that i think that is true and i think um, oh, I feel that I really lack it. It might all be like psychosomatic, but mm. I I often do. You know, we'll go outside. I run a lot, so right. I um get out, get some fresh air. Yeah, yeah. I've started th- th- this having this craving for fresh air that I never had. I don't know whether it's age or just too much time in the car and then the theater and you know. Yeah. Yesterday I was like, I have to be well, outside. Theaters are so dry. Oh, you know, completely. and it's um. Yeah, whether it's a mix of the aircon and or, or whatever, it's just you can come out there and you're like, oh, my skin, yeah, and your skin just goes, oh, I'm so it's so and you're dry, like, you know, squinting against yeah. the sunlight, exactly. I was in Greenock yesterday, and I was like, good, I can just walk, yeah. near the water, exactly. Just... I still listen to Simon Callow's autobiography, so I'm still uh, in the theatre, of course, yeah, I'm completely obsessed. Yeah, do you think you're obsessed? Uh, yeah, I think I can be. Yeah. I think I can get. Um, I've always been also quite open and honest about the fact that. I might burn out mm-hmm. and I don't think I think because I'm quite yeah quite relaxed about that it doesn't scare me um I mean don't get me wrong I don't know what else I would do but I think there's been little moments along my relatively short short career so far far where I have overcommitted and I have um done too much and and, and gone oh, I need to take a little break here right do um, you mean that you have had burnouts Little ones, and so you're yeah. prepared for that to happen again, or you're yeah, trying, to yeah, yeah. You're just trying, you're just trying. I think, like I say, it's a lightning saber because of the way it works, and you take on, you have to take on so much um, mm. work to make it either like financially work or just. Um, you also there's that as everyone talks about that fear of saying no. Yeah, I've, um, and it's also not also lots of it financially driven. It's that like you want to do it. Yeah, you're excited about it, so you're like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do that. Um, and actually, yeah, now there's a real, for me, there's a real art in saying no. And uh, over the last probably six months to a year, um, I've changed agent and I've made a kind of real kind of decision to 
what yeah watch what i'm saying yes to and yeah. think about why am i doing it why yeah. am i doing it i've i've said no maybe once or twice over the last year yeah it feels amazing yeah but it's terrifying it's terrifying um and it's because it's terrifying because of the potentially the empty void that's there in terms of your calendar but that's yeah. not necessarily what it's for me it's i feel like i'm missing out i think yeah yeah I, I, it's it's like i want to do it i'm not saying no because i don't want to do it it's funny when you get those emails to say i'm just checking your availability and interest and i always reply going i am interested yes nine times out of ten unless interested it's, tech unless, unless it's an absolutely dreadful idea but usually i am interested you know usually i want to be part of it and want to try the new this new piece of work or whatever it is yeah um but yeah it's like no i shouldn't do it yeah yeah definitely uh, for me it's more uh i'm hoping or i'm starting maybe to get to a point where i can say no to things even just those things that i think are terrible yeah okay <laughs> do you know like because i used to say yes to those too oh, did, because yeah. i had to yeah do you know yeah, yeah yeah when i first came out of college i did all sorts of nonsense um just to keep going yeah and at the time, I was just happy to have work, so I didn't think of it as bad. I wasn't yeah. like resenting it. No, of course. I was just doing it, and then you look back and you go, "Wow, that wasn't that wasn't the yeah. greatest." No, for sure. I think sometimes I mean, you often sometimes still find yourself in a situation, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't very good." Mm. But I have a real kind of policy of like, positivity mm-hmm. um, because I think um, there's quite a lot of negative people in our industry, and it just it can it can bring you down. And I think yeah. so. I was trying to surround myself with positive people. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, how do we solve this problem? Not like, oh my God, this is never going to work. It's like, yeah. it's, you have to bring that positive energy to it otherwise. Yeah, because we love a moan. Oh, we do. As a, as a mob. Mm. Particularly actors, yeah. we, we like to, oh, oh, this is a mess, it'll never get fixed. Yeah. <laughs> I try and now block that out. You're not getting involved in that? No, not in any sort of, kind of, weird, kind of, positive <laughs> vibes kind of way. But just, no, because that can be weird as well. Yeah, it can be. I just... I just try and look at things a lot more positively. Than yeah, I think I used to. Have we only ever worked together that one time at the at the last yeah, yeah, What I a lovely so. war! Yeah, I think that's it. it. Seems like weird that we've not crossed paths more no, than that. I think that was it. We will soon. I think. I'm I've sure got, we will. I've got a distinct feeling. Yeah, yeah. I like watching. I, that's one of the things I like about tech is is seeing people, um, of di- different disciplines that I don't yeah. really fully understand do their thing. Yeah. I find it fascinating. And when it starts to come together, I think, wow, like it's, look at all these amazing skills yeah. that I totally don't have. That's what I love. I think watching it, someone skillful do their thing, you know? Yeah, whereas that's, I guess for me, in rehearsals, the opposite. So I sit in rehearsals and I'm like, wow, they are going to have the audience in the palm of their hand. Right. Or or you laugh and you go, oh, my, that's hilarious. They're going to yeah. absolutely bring the house down. Um, but yeah, to, to talk about your point, it's funny because obviously... I do all my work in front of everyone mm. and sometimes it can be draft one and I'm like wait a second before I get comment I'm not sure if I like this first and then I often talk to uh, directors once I've known them for a while and I'm like um, this is an offering and they're like yeah I'll take your offering that's good yeah let's go cool. and we move on and it's quite transactional sometimes like because if, yeah. if we get to a point and it's you have to work so fast or I'm like um, and I always say like I'm selling you this idea for this moment. What do you think? Okay. And they go, they'd laugh and they go, yeah. And then we both go, it's not quite right, but let's put that in and then we'll look at it at tech. Right. And then okay. what's really lovely is if you get a moment of, um, like say you snuck out to the stalls and people who aren't in the scene are watching it and you do something and they all go, oh, that's great. And you're like, oh, 
Good. Yes, nailed That's it. That's nice positive reinforcement over there. <laughs> so when you say we'll put it in and we'll look at it tech, do you mean that you're you build states before yeah. the actors come on? Yeah. Uh, in the mornings or a day before or something yeah for sure so and traditionally that was the way it, it was done it's actually changing a lot more away from that now but it was you would focus the lights which basically means point them in the right direction mm-hmm. you would then plot the lights record the cues where you think it'll be given to dsm and then in tech that's when obviously you'd bring it all together but more and more i like to go into our tech with building blocks in the desk but just kind of find it as we go because what right. you often do is if you say you plot the first few scenes, you end up unpicking them a lot because okay. without having the right person wearing the right thing and the right skin tone in that light, you, you can never make it properly. Properly, you can make a building, but you can make an image. Okay. Um, and especially for musicals or things that are really cue heavy, you have to do that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. people would be stood about for ages. Um, but I guess what I'm talking about when I say I sell an idea is even if you are stood on there and I'm, I've got you up, I'm like, cool, let's look at that for now, but let's move on. And I like to layer things up. Right. So I, I like a speedy plot and a, a speedy tech. And then I've always in the back of my head got, see if we could get to the end by that session there, we could actually do a tech stagger. And then I start to plant that idea quite early on. And now I've oh, given it away. Now I've given it away. Oh. And I'm like, because then I get to see it. And it's also still, it's still for tech. Yes. So I can still go, oh, actually, let's stop and let's do that bit again. Um, but a but, bit more of a pace. Thing. Exactly. And you see things in sequence, and that's yeah, exactly. And going back to that, it's about it's about seeing it in sequence that makes it right. Because often, even saying what you're saying earlier about your eyes adjusting, if we all go outside for a lunch break mm. and come back in and we sit down, somebody will say to me always, "Oh, it's too dark now." Yeah, you've got you've your ju- eyes have adjusted. You've your eyes have adjusted. Yeah, and you go, and actually, so I don't really touch it. And I'm like, let's just move on. Let's move on. It's like the next thing. And then actually it's only when you see it, you know, in sequence. And that's why I love to get, you know, a couple of dresses in, previews. Mm-hmm. And we're not always, obviously, sometimes you can't do that. And you're literally a one day in and up or whatever it is. But do you do much of that? Like that one day kind of deal? Um, I haven't in a while. Um, I've done a couple of those really fast. Yeah. You know, too quick. And on the Monday and maybe first previews on the Wednesday night. Right. Um, okay. That's a lot. That's quick. Yeah, it's fast. It's fast. Um. But again, that's when that's when I'd make the decision to try and stay with the production a bit longer and try and after first preview come in on the, the Thursday right. and on the Friday, hopefully then away by the by the weekend. Do you ever go back and see something that you've designed yeah, much later time. on? Yeah, yeah, I try to. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, and you go, uh, ah, they've massacred my vision. No, it's well, if it's on tour, yes. All right. Yeah, they usually. Have. Yeah, it's, I get. I don't really like touch would get a lot of anxiety but i get a little bit of anxiety about shows on tour when i read uh, show reports right and i've had oh brian i've had like today we didn't manage to rig the side light um so we just went without we ran out of time what? and I, my head goes some of those cues were only lit with side light what did you do what happened oh we just put <laughs> up a bit of, a bit of front light really yeah yeah they yeah i mean that's bad touring obviously wow that is bad, that but, is um, bad yeah. and that's a just a bad example but yeah, yeah. um th- that's what's difficult about going back and, and seeing the work if it's you know if it's playing at theater x for four weeks then nothing should change yeah so yeah. what's nice about that is to go back uh, in the last week and see there and you kind of play through things in your head of a moment in tech where the you and the director have maybe had an, an argument or a, a heated conversation about sure. a point and then you sometimes go like oh yeah they were right yeah yeah that's interesting that's interesting 
because again, and I, I've said it three times, I don't mean to repeat myself, but because you make your work so late on yeah. that I have to make sure that I'm really not defensive about it because I'm sure that the costume designer that did the first sketch of, of the costumes months and months ago, people, they've developed and they've had time. Yeah. And so that's that's the main thing that you that you lack in lighting. It's just time to develop those ideas because you can talk about them. But again, nobody wants to sit and talk about the fact there's going to be a special on page three <laughs> on week one of rehearsals because you don't know that. No so idea. So everything, no everything is working towards that opening night. And so hopefully by the time it gets to opening night, you all get there. But it's all a big kind of collaboration. So you just have to... Yeah. Yeah, so when you reflect on it, you're like, oh, that's interesting that I did that. If, I, if, if, if you get the chance to do it again, would I do that? Probably not. Learning. They're yeah, still learning. Exactly. There. But I can't see that, that system really changing much. No. The, the amount of time that you've got allocated, for example. How's that ever going to change? The only change that I see more and more with um, more complex shows is visualisation coming in, um, whereby if uh, somebody, instead of doing a model box, maybe models the set in 3D, ah. then I can model lighting in 3D on top of that and give an artistic render of what things would look like. Oh, cool. Okay. So I do that with kind of uh, more and more kind of bigger music things or corporate things, and it's coming now more, more and more into theatre. Oh, right. So then we would all gather around the screen yeah. on the first morning, would we? Uh, yeah, you could, you could gather around the screen and see the model. There might still be a physical model box, but I'm talking more like in week three of rehearsals, I might do a couple of nights with the director mm-hmm. round a big screen mm-hmm. and look at some lighting on cool. a screen with... Um, um, for example, the, the English National Opera do it do they? because they, yeah, because they work in, in rep, um, right. or the Royal Opera House, I think it's actually. Um, they pre pre visualize everything. Now the question, of course, for me is: Can you take what's on the screen and transfer it directly? Oh to yeah, desk? sorry, I've not really probably explained it very well. The software is literally you with a lighting desk. Ah, that's how it's controlled into the into the software. You then essentially take that lighting okay. desk up to the theatre, plug it in, and if the lights are in the same place that they are in the model, yeah, in theory it looks the same. In theory. In theory, and obviously, what a cool thing though. And it's only that's when I say in theory is because it's only getting there now to a, a yeah. point of plug and play kind of plug and play and being able to have a close enough artistic representation. Whereas before, it's been really good for, you know, a Beyonce tour because it's like. You're looking to make sure you get all the hits right and the colours right and all because it's so fast and dynamic. Yes. But you would never really look at a person in that environment. But whereas now it's getting a bit better. Wow. See, I've learned so much. There you go. And that means that the listener. <laughs> the listener. The, your my, brother. My brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your brother's now learned. Yeah. I'm sure he knows all about it. That's good. I think he was the one that was making fun of you for making the, the espresso. He was, yeah. That's, that's basically our life. We live together. So that is just oh. <laughs> Bless you. There you go. The only guy I know who's got a custom-built case for his espresso machine and takes it with him to work. So, you know, I mean, it wouldn't do if we were all the same, would it? Thanks very much to Grant for coming and chatting to me. I really enjoyed chatting to him and listening back to it. Hope you enjoyed it too. So, in only a week from now, 7pm, Wednesday the 11th of September, will be the 100th episode recorded live at the Oranmore, featuring my special guest, 
Janie Godley. So if you haven't already got your tickets, remember you can go to oran-more, that's O-R-A-N-M-O-R.co.uk and look under events uh, in the calendar and you'll find it there. Um, get your tickets in advance if you can. Uh, it gives us an idea of, of numbers as well. They're only six quid um, and you can help to contribute to the running of the podcast by, by getting a ticket. So thank you very much for all your support to date. Uh, I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible next week. I will speak to you before then because the episode will come out slightly before. Uh, next week's episode will come out slightly before we record the 100th. But I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible and I hope you have a great week in the meantime. So from me, it's just the usual. Cheerio now.